0: Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield audio podcast. I want to answer some questions today about a podcast that I did some weeks ago entitled "Is Mormonism a Cult?" And uh, obviously, I titled that to be a little bit incendiary. But in that podcast, I uh, I answered that question uh, that from a biblical or, or a Christian perspective, um, a cult uh CULTA cult is uh an organization built on a perversion or distortion of Christian of traditional Christian orthodox doctrine. And therefore, yes, Mormonism is without question a cult. Now, the reason that that word stings so much with people uh, is that the word cult normally is, is used to associate with David Koresh type movements in Waco or Jim Jones type cults in, you know, Ghana. And uh, and uh, so I think that um, that the word cult stings more at a popular level than it does at a theological level. But there's no question that technically speaking, from an orthodox creedal historic Christian perspective, Mormonism is a cult. Well, lots of people as you can imagine uh, ask questions about that, and and, and one of them, I've, I, one of those questions I've already answered. Can you can you explain this business of a cult? And I just want to say it one more time. Um, when I use the word cult, I'm not using it in the sense that people are blindly following some single leader into weird practices and maybe criminal activity and ultimately drinking Kool-Aid and committing suicide. No. A cult, again, from a Christian, from a biblical traditional perspective, is simply an organization built on a distortion of Christian doctrine. And the thing that intrigues me about me saying this, and people maybe having a hard time with it, is that Mormon history began um, as a repudiation of all Christian denominations at the time. Uh, I'm not saying anything against Mormonism to say that when Joseph Smith began to receive his revelations in the early 1800s, among those revelations was that no Christian denomination had it right. And so as a result, you know, Mormonism saw itself as distinct and it also saw itself as, you know, the true church, so to speak. Well, uh, but his doctrines were so novel, were so new, were such a departure from traditional Christianity that it really has to be said that, that there was no connection. I mean, um, it is so foreign to the traditional Roman Catholic Protestant worldview to say that a human being will one day be God. Um, it is so foreign to say that Jesus and Lucifer were brothers. It is so foreign to say that the, that the sacrifice of Jesus only introduces a man to God, but he has to work out by a system of works his salvation from that point on. That is so foreign to traditional Christian doctrine, it's not even funny. So there really is no question uh, that Mormonism is, from any kind of Christian perspective, a cult, And be, but just keep in mind that I'm not speaking of some single dynamic leader leading people into you know, a suicide cult. Uh, the, the second question became, uh, why is it that Mormons, uh, or that Mormonism, sometimes inspires these baby farms that you see on television, meaning the kind of situation where you have a bunch of women who have given birth to many, many, many children, and they're all living in one communal situation, and the FBI raids them. You know, we've seen that repeatedly in recent decades. There's a theology behind this that we need to understand. And I certainly think our friends in the FBI need to understand it before they go charging in. And that is that Mormons believe that those of us who now occupy human bodies were once pre existent spirits, uh, that you lived in a state they call pre mortality. And so there are many, many what are sometimes called spirit babies waiting for human bodies, even right now, according to Mormons. And so the calling, the obligation, the duty upon Mormons uh, is to is to have a lot of babies and thus allow these spirit babies, so to speak, for lack of a better term, to come to earth, occupy a human body and live out the, the test, the sort of spiritual optical course that this life is so they can qualify for their ultimate destiny of divinity. Um, that, that explains why they do this. If you believe in polygamy, if you believe it's okay for a man to be married to a number of women, and if you believe in what I've just said about spirit babies and the obligation of a family to have as many babies as possible, it's very likely you're going to have a ranch in Utah or Texas, uh, where you have, uh, you know, 15 women, uh, mothering fifty children—that's that's very very possible. It will look like a sex cult. It will look like some kind of an illegal white slaving kind of organization, but it's not. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying, you know, bad theology is a horrible taskmaster, and these institutions are produced by the Mormons' very unique theology. So uh, that explains why you have those what what some people call baby farms. Um, And then the next question was about polygamy. Uh, Do the Mormons still believe in polygamy? No. Uh, Mormonism definitely taught polygamy from the beginning. Uh, Joseph Smith himself had many, many wives. Um, It was something that was reclaimed from the Old Testament patriarchs. It was something they saw as being biblical in the early days of Mormonism. Um, but Mormons uh, essentially abandoned it when it became illegal, and I think they'll even admit this. It's not as though they, I mean, later their prophet said they had a revelation about uh, one man, one wife, and and polygamy not being moral, Um, but the reality is that the U.S. government outlawed polygamy first in the famous Reynolds case, and uh, there, then the, the Mormons changed afterwards. So most Mormons are no longer polygamous. For example, Mitt Romney obviously married to one woman, and yet his grand, uh, great-grandfather was married to many women. That tells you how fast the change has been. Um, now, there are many splinter groups. There are many purist Mormons. There are many of what the press calls fundamentalist Mormons, which is a mixing of religious streams, but nevertheless, people who believe the Mormon church compromised its calling when it turned away from polygamy, and therefore they they practice polygamy you know, up in the mountains of Colorado and the, the backwoods of Utah and, and, and Nevada and places like that. And you hear about that from time to time. But all of that to say polygamy, as far as mainstream Mormonism is concerned, has been outlawed. Uh, And then I'm asked often, is Mitt Romney serious about his Mormonism? Isn't he sort of like a, you know, a liberal Protestant or kind of a, you know, attend church once in a while kind of Christian? Isn't he sort of unserious about his Mormonism? And I assume people are asking me this question because they want to kind of get around the issue of of, uh, Romney's Mormonism, given that he is likely to be uh, the the Republican nominee for president in 2012. Well, the fact is that Romney is very serious about his Mormonism. Uh, I've spent some time with him. I've spent some time with his wife. I've spent some time with his kids. Uh, I've studied him. Uh, Romney has been uh, a a Mormon pastor They they have different words for it But essentially a Mormon pastor He's been a bishop Uh, He did the two-year missionary effort uh, Missionary uh, program That that young Mormons uh, have the opportunity to do It profoundly changed him Um, He's a a man who has counseled marriages According to uh, Mormon doctrine He has taught uh, Mormonism and been the primary, what Protestants would call, preacher or pastor or pulpit minister uh, in, a, in a Mormon church. Um, Romney's very serious. I spent time with his wife and probably more time than I've spent with... with uh, with Mr. Romney just because of circumstances at banquets and things like that. And uh, she's very serious Mormon. And so uh, whatever you believe about Mitt Romney, you cannot sidestep the issue of his Mormonism um, because you believe he's just sort of light-handed about it. He's not, he's a deeply devoted, serious Mormon, and so are his children. And then one last thing, some people have asked me about the character of Joseph Smith. Uh, wasn't he a liar? Wasn't he a crazy man? Um, wasn't Wasn't he involved in all kinds of weird treasure hunts and so on? And I'm going to play a little game with you here because I'm going to say, you know what, you need to get the book that I'm currently writing called The Mormonization of America uh, that will be out the, in the summer of 2012. But I do want to sort of tease you a little bit or tantalize you a little bit by reading from uh, one of my favorite books on the occult in America, It's by Mitch Horowitz, who is a publisher at Penguin. He was one of my publishers at Penguin. He's written a brilliant book, uh, The Occult America, White House Seances, Ouija Circles, Masons and the secret history of our nation. I need to say quickly for those of you who are Christians and Jews and concerned about these things that Mitch is a man who advocates for the occult. Uh, He will not uh, mind me saying that, of course, because he does. And by me advocating his book, I'm not advocating his version of the occult at all or anything about the occult. But uh, he has written a brilliant book because he's invested himself in this field for years, and he describes extensively Joseph Smith. And one of the most interesting things about Joseph Smith is that Joseph Smith was deeply, deeply into the occult, as was his family. I'm just going to read a few sections uh, so that to kind of pique your interest, and then I'm going to explore this more fully in the book. Uh, here, here's a quote, page 22, Occult America by Mitch Horowitz. It, said, it says, as a teenage boy in the late 1810s and early 1820s, uh, Joseph Smith of Palmyra was locally known as a clairvoyant guide. Who could track down hidden treasure using a seeing? I'm sorry, a seer stone, a smooth rock, variously opaque or marked with magic symbols that he placed in his hat, and gazed into to gain the power of second sight. Now, this is very typical of the writings about Joseph Smith in the early days. Let me read one more section. Magic and myth were part of the firmament of the Smith household. According to historian D. Michael Quinn in his monumental study, Early Mormonism and the Magic Worldview, Joseph Smith's family owned magical charms, divining rods, amulets, a ceremonial dagger inscribed with, inscribed with astrological symbols of Scorpio and seals of Mars, and parchments marked with occult signs and cryptograms popular in 18th and 19th century English and American folklore. It goes on and on and on. Now, if you think I'm intending a trashing of Mormonism, um, you'll just have to read the book to find out whether I do that or not. But uh, what, more, Joseph Smith's moral character, something we can explore another time. The more important issue is that he was deeply, deeply involved in the occult. Um, as a result of that, he became a, a high-level mason within, in, in 24 hours Um, He was a man who was very much about treasure, very much about divining, uh, very much about ancient myths and the occult and Freemasonry and symbols and astrology, and all of that got poured into Mormonism. And that's all I'll say. The rest I'll explore in the book. Mormonism is a fascinating subject. Don't be afraid of it. Study it. Learn it. We are definitely living in a Mormon moment in America. Stephen Mansfield podcast was brought to you by the Mansfield Group. Find us at mansfieldgroup.com.